TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. Thanks for all the text messages. I'm seeing those come in now. Domino's changed their crust and came out with the order app, revamped the whole company, plus their sandwiches. Hmm. Now I know why their stock price. It's amazing how just little changes like that could really improve things pretty quickly. And Domino's really did a good thing. I thought their pizzas were fine before they made their changes, but apparently the the branding. And then there's a lot of text messages after that said, yes, they could hear me. <laughs> okay, so at least there's people listening tonight. That is good. Welcome back to Overnight America. So we have another hour live, and I've mentioned this a few times on the show. We're going to be paying tribute to the late Bob Hamilton, and I had the opportunity to sit down with him in February before all this COVID stuff. And it was when I was preparing and putting together my first documentary, the radio documentary on Robert Highland. So he gave me about an hour and a half of time inside the studio. And I would say we probably talked for about 45 minutes of that. The other 45 minutes were people coming in and saying, oh, Bob, what are you doing? It's so good to see you, Bob. He had so many guests come in. I'm going to just tell you the story again. I've done a couple of different interviews, one of which when I was preparing for the special was talking to Bob Costas. So he comes in on Charlie's program about once a year or so, and he'll do the show with it. And it's such a cool thing. You know, when Bob Costas is in the building back on KMOX, it's kind of a big deal. But I was lucky enough to sit down and ask him a couple of questions for these different documentaries I'm working on. And Chris Myhill set it all up, producer for Charlie Brennan Show. So I sat down with Bob, and I did 15 minutes with him. And when Bob left the studio, there's a couple of people that just wanted to say hi real quick. And then Bob was on his way. You know, he's always rushing to something else, rushing to something else. That was pale in comparison to the amount of people that wanted to see Bob Hamilton. When Bob Hamilton was sitting down in that seat, he was just so friendly, and he had so many stories, and he was just so real and honest. And he was talking about how he beat cancer but was still fighting it. He was talking about how he wasn't going to let it take over his life. He he looked at it in a in a way that, to me, was pretty inspiring because sometimes people give up and they say, well, there's nothing else I can do. His approach was different. His approach was, okay, now this is something new for me to overcome. This is something new, and we're just going to deal with it. It's just something new in life. And there's a lot of new experiences. He traveled a lot, too. He told me a story about how he was in, 
Hmm, I forgot where it was. Ireland, maybe. He has some families over there that apparently are pretty loaded. They own castles and things, and sometimes you hear the families overseas that own something cool. And I think he was traveling and visiting, and he was written into a movie as a American tourist. It was the movie Train Spotting, and he tells that story. And there are so many great stories there. And I was just listening back to the interview today, getting it ready to replay, and we're going to air it Monday night, so later tonight at 10 p.m. And we're going to do a full hour. Just I, I, I put the interview together so it fits inside of an hour. And he told so many great stories. And I would just ask him, hey, did you work with Jack Carney? Oh, yeah. Did you work with Jack Buck? And he'd tell you a Jack Buck story. Did you work with Jim White? Oh, he'd tell you a Jim White story. Did you work with John McCormick? Oh, he'd tell you a John McCormick story. Work with Ann Keefe? Oh, he'd tell you an Ann Keefe story. And I had all of these great stories he told. And then some of himself. How did you find your way to KMOX? What was special about KMOX? When you told people you worked at KMOX, what was their reaction? And he was just such a wonderful type of guy. And the true testament was when he was in studio, everybody wanted to talk to him. So I'd be sitting, recording the interview, and I would look over, and there's someone standing at the door. So he'd finish his sentence. I'd, I'd say, I'll wave him in. Oh, Bob, you'll, you go. And he would turn around and say, oh. And he would say hi to someone. And everyone came by. Oh, Tina. Oh, Steve. Oh, Mike. All of them, anyone that wanted to see it. And this is after hours, too, so keep in mind, he's seeing the crew that he knows was working hard even into the late night hours. And and that's just the kind of guy he was. Good old Bob Hamilton. Kevin Klein did a whole other story on him. Maybe we'll just play this here because I already played it today, but it's just so good to hear Bob's voice. I feel like I want to do it one more time. But if you haven't heard the news, and I, I mentioned it, late last week on Friday, we got the word that he passed away at the age of 82. And you can actually see a story on that now at KMOX.com if you wanted to go and read up a little bit more on it and see, you know, the circumstances. I haven't seen any update on if there's going to be a memorial or not. But, um, yeah, 82 years old, lived a great, great long life. Too short still. He had a lot left in him. But here's uh, Kevin Clean's time with Bob and his impressions of him, which I think will make you smile. Bob Hamilton was never moody, at least at work where I knew him. For years, every Thursday, he'd arrive in the newsroom about 4 in the afternoon to start his Thursday through Sunday workweek shift, and he would bound in on the balls of his feet, calling out everybody's name. Hello, Carol. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Brian. Hello, Maria. The weekend is nigh. And then everybody at their workstations, all the reporters, would call back in unison, Bob Hamilton! And he'd go, hey! Bob was a man who never really packed a a lavish lunch when he'd come to work. Usually he would have one of those little cups, uh, an 89-cent cup of just-add-hot-water chicken and noodle soup. Or if he came in and saw that there were some leftovers on the table from some free food event earlier, he'd get very jolly. (laughs) Ho, ho, there'll be news tonight. After he retired, the newsroom just wasn't as fun. So I stopped by to see Bob Hamilton in retirement a couple of years ago. Now I am old and retired and very happy, and I've never been old before. It's a new adventure. So I like to do what I like to do. Do you still listen to 11.20 a.m.? Oh, I sure do. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, 
I think I'm glad I'm not there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no. Wait, what does that mean? Well, it, in a good way. Bob was asked if he ever missed the newsroom. Yeah, I do miss that. It, it's a magic thing. Radio, when something happens, something catastrophic happens, everybody, without a word, just pitches in and does what needs to be done. Charlie Brennan's producer, Chris Myhill, described Hamilton as unflappable. He said if the network news dropped out or there was some emergency, Hamilton would calmly fill the time reading a stack of extra stories he always kept lying around. One time, Charlie Brennan was stuck in traffic and supposed to be on the air shortly after Hamilton's 1 o'clock news. I found somebody in a nearby car who had a cell phone. I called in the station and said, Bob, you've got to stretch the news out for as long as you can. He got the news at six minutes after one o'clock and he stretched it till 1.28 with local news until I got into the studio and for that I am eternally grateful. Near the end of our visit two years ago I asked Bob Hamilton to let us hear it one more time. Oh, Bob Hamilton, KMOX News. <laughs> oh, Kevin, thank you. Oh, Kevin. Ah. The impersonations are out there. Apparently there's a comedian from St. Louis here that I have to find and try to get a hold of to do his best impersonation of Bob Hamilton. His name is Craig Hoskley, I believe, and he did some other great impersonations. In fact, there's one on YouTube of him doing a Mike Shannon at, I think, a banquet. So i got to find a way to get a hold of Craig. Oh, would that be fun? 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. Looking through some social media right now, and, you know, Sunday nights are pretty slow to begin with, but every once in a while you catch something on the weekend and you think, oh, I'm glad we get to talk about it first. Now, there was a story that hit, pun intended, a couple of months ago. And I don't know if you remember, but Rick Moranis was one of the big 80s, early 90s type of movie stars. He was in Ghostbusters and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He did Little Shop of Horrors and such. And then he just kind of disappeared, and he was fine. He was just perfectly good with what he did and what he accomplished. He made his money and he just wanted to go back to living a life of, well, comfortable life where he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Just recently, Rick Moranis came out of that retirement and did a commercial for Mint Mobile. It's a cell phone company that was, I think, purchased or started, one of the two, by another Hollywood movie star, Ryan Reynolds. And he did this commercial where Ryan Reynolds is doing his thing. Oh, I'm going to talk to you about Mint Mobile, but let's bring up my friend Rick Moranis. And then Rick steps out there. He goes, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And he was the big-time Canadian comedian. He did all kinds of things before he was a movie star. He's got that natural type of feel to him, that comedic approach that I think a lot of people appreciated and missed when it was gone. Then he comes back out of retirement, and boom, there it is. All right, good stuff. So he, we thought, was going to consider getting back into the game. I think there was some negotiations for him to do another Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but I read originally that he didn't want it to be one of those uh, Disney Plus exclusives, meaning 
He didn't want it to be just on the streaming service. He wanted it to be a major motion picture release. He didn't. He thought, okay, I'm better than this, right? You're going to make a comeback or whatever, or just even do a film here or there. He wants it to be seen uh, on the big screen, which is fine. That's his thing. When you're someone that's been in the industry for as long as he has, that's what you look for. That's what you want to do. So now you fast forward just a couple of months after that commercial. And I don't know if you saw the video for this. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. He was just out in New York and just minding his own business. And then out of nowhere gets sucker punched, sucker punched. Welcome to New York, huh? If things weren't already bad in some of these major cities, you're dealing with COVID and major restrictions and travel. And if you want people from out of state to come visit you, good luck because they're going to be staying there long because they got to quarantine and they got to do this. And it's not easy. And then all the businesses are leaving New York. They're getting tired of the restrictions. They're realizing that the prime real estate is not so prime anymore when people can't go out and shop. And they just can't afford it. So you see people leaving like crazy. And for a lot of people, even outside of business atmospheres, it's the people leaving too. They're like, man, uh, why do this? Why pay this giant rent if I'm just going to be stuck in my apartment? So people started leaving New York. And they're up with high taxes. And oh, there's just a lot of issues with the city. You're seeing this in some of the major uh, coastal cities. The Los Angeleses, the San Francisco's and things, businesses leaving all of them because they just don't want to deal with it. And over in the Seattle's and the Portland's and things, oh, man, every time there's a issue, someone's going to come and threaten to throw a brick or burn my building down. Like, I really want to deal with that in some of these areas. Or they're going to take my block over and I can't get to it for a week. And they'll just allow this sort of thing to happen. So good old uh, Rick Moranis, minding his own business, gets sucker punched. And they had surveillance photo of it, which you actually you can go and see. And you're thinking, man, is this what New York's turned into? Rick Moran is 67 years old, 7.30 in the morning, dressed in a I Love New York hoodie, backpack over his shoulder, minding his own business, punched in the face, closed fist. He was taken to a hospital. He had some pain where he fell. He had some pain in his head, his back, his right hip. And then uh, eventually he recovered and... There he is, Rick Moranis. How could you look at that face and say, I want to hurt that person? He just looks like a very pleasant person. Some people just have that, where they're just very pleasant. 7.30 in the morning. Well, they started a search for this person, and they wanted to find out who it was. And thank goodness they found the serial puncher. I didn't realize that this person was wanted in connection with other attacks. This happened on October 1st, so about a month and a half ago. He's 35 years old. Marquise Ventura, captured by transit officers who recognized his face from the pictures. And that's probably a good thing. Um, not that Rick Moranis was hurt, but think of all the other times something like this happened, second-degree assault or things, and it would have just been, eh, no one would have remembered because it wasn't Rick Moranis. And it happened to someone that people care about, and then all of a sudden he's public enemy number one. Let me bring this up, too. There was one other fugitive story. Nearly 50 years after he escaped from custody, there was a person that was caught. 1971, he escaped from jail. There was some civil unrest in Pittsburgh, and apparently they arrested him. There was a Molotov cocktail thrown, and he was transported to his grandma's funeral and escaped. And then, because of that escape, they never found him gone 
Isn't that something that they keep these things on record? I didn't realize that police stations were digitizing these things. In fact, uh, let me pull this up real quick. Just two years ago, the FBI started to revisit this case. Two years ago. Here's what they put the alert out for, trying to find this uh, this fugitive. During the Pittsburgh riots of 1968, Moses was with friends when one of them threw a Molotov cocktail into the home of 70-year-old Mary Amplo. Case agent Mark Dana says the Molotov cocktail landed in her living room while she was watching television and it lit her clothes on fire. Mary suffered third-degree burns, contracted pneumonia, and died three months later. Uh. Moses was serving a life sentence for the crime, but during an escorted trip to his grandmother's funeral, he escaped from custody. Now, how does that happen, escorted? And you escape. Now, that is almost like a plot for a television show, and you think, oh, that would never happen. But then it is. It happened back in, what, 1971, he escaped from prison. So he's been on the lam that long, and the FBI has been looking at him for that long. The FBI Pittsburgh special agent in charge said during a press conference, we got him. Well, not just like that, but he looks like an FBI guy, too. I was looking at the press conference, you know, bald dude, completely shaven, wearing not bad of a suit, nice colors on it. He looks like a tough dude. Like He would be the type of guy, he's not a hands-off type of guy, he'd be the type of guy if if a suspect was running, he'd probably run and tackle him like Brian Urlacher. Is that a good reference? He doesn't play anymore, does he? All right, so the thing that interested me most about this was because back when the FBI, they do these little things where they show the picture of what they look like then, and since it happened decades ago, they do this special facial recognition technology, and they bring in a sketch artist, and they try to give you an idea of what the person looks like. So they show you two years ago what they think he looks like head on, and the first thing I thought was, wow, I want to know if he looks like that. Are these sketch artists talented enough to tell that? So what happens when they release this guy's mugshot? They do a profile photo. They don't show it face on. You can't even see what he looks like. I feel like it's a giant conspiracy. Maybe there are a group of sketch artists that do not want you to know that they really are not great at anticipating what someone's going to look like in the future. So he's in custody. Um, There's no, like... There's no, hey, if you escape for this long, you get off free. No, they're always going to look for you. And let this be mindful for people that have warrants out for their arrest or whatever it is, or maybe escape from a situation, or maybe they're a suspect. Just keep in mind, once you're in these databases, man, you're going to be all over the place. You know how they caught him? So apparently he was a suspect in stealing some drugs from a local pharmacy. Um, so he apparently, cause he went in there and they got some fingerprints on some of these bottles or whatever he was looking around. Um, they catch the guy and while he's in prison, well, jail, I should say not prison, but when he was in the local jail, they run the prints just like they would through the national database and boom, wait a minute. There's this fugitive from the seventies that pops up. I'm guessing that the police officers thought to themselves, no way, this can't be real. This can't be real, but maybe we'll get lucky. 314-436-7900. Ooh, someone's texting me. It looks like a link to the comedian that does a good Bob Hamilton impersonation. Oh, I got to make friends with this guy. Thank you for that text message coming in. If you want to join the show, you can do that. You can text or call. It's Overnight America KMOX. We are really spoiled with all this space exploration stuff. I keep going back and looking at that video from SpaceX. It's amazing the things that we can see in HD anymore. You, uh, you probably have seen this too, and depending on how old you are, you may have certain memories. You may remember the Challenger disaster. You may, 
even go back and remember when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. And you may have watched that in real time inside of your own living room because your parents called you in and said, you got to see this. Get in here. Keep the kids. Keep the keep the kids in the room. They got to watch. And there's there's certain those historical moments that stand out when it comes to space exploration. We're we're gonna get pictures back from Mars. Wow, look at that. Oh, we're gonna send probes out there. We're gonna get a nice picture of Jupiter or Saturn. And oh, look at this. It's even more brilliant than we thought it would be. And you would get these pictures like once every decade. <laughs> It would, like, sprinkle them in. There wasn't much to it. I mean, you had the artist's rendition of whatever these planets look like, and then eventually they were able to send a satellite in the 70s and zoom it by all of these different planets and send another one out and get all of these things in line. And today, you get a space launch every other month, and you get to watch an HD video of it. Not only do you get to see it from the ground, you get to see cameras on the spaceship itself, inside of the spaceship with the astronauts, and then you get to see it from the space station, which has been up there for a long time, too. It's really remarkable. So uh, NASA makes historic SpaceX Crew Dragon launch. It's the first crew rotation flight on a U.S. commercial spacecraft. Commercial, meaning that SpaceX is bringing it up, and they're running and doing their thing. Isn't that amazing? We're at the point where we have space exploration and soon-to-be visitation. And we know that over in Mars... They want to send people, and I know SpaceX has the, the the will to send people there. They're always trying to advance the technology to find a way to do this. As of right now, there's only one way to do it, which is you send someone there and they're not coming back. It's a one-way mission. What they hope to do is to set up a base on the moon where they can put up something that potentially could tap into some liquid water. Now, if they can tap into water, that'd be a big deal. I don't know if you know this about space. There's a few things I've learned about it. If you're on the space station and you think, man, where do they, are they just like transporting water up there all the time? No, apparently part of the system that they use and the way that they pressurize and whatnot, it, it produces its own water into space. It tastes, it, it's such a weird thing that they invented, but it's a little bit different when you're not, just rotating around the earth but you're up on the moon because you're looking at ways you can use this as a building material and make it more sustainable life where it's more than just a couple of people on the space station at a time it takes about a year to get up to the space a year a, a day to get up to the space station you would think okay why does it take that long you know they can shoot it up into space super quick why can't they just do eh, straight shot to the space station well what happens is that once the actual space capsule with the astronauts get up there they go into an orbit around the Earth, and they slowly start to move into orbit towards the space station, and eventually, moving faster than the space station, find its way to it so they can dock, coo, get in there, and safely do that. You can't have a rocket shoot up the top of the capsule like it's a bullet, and, ch and the bullet hits the space station. It would destroy everything. It would be a huge disaster. So just a couple of hours ago, uh, we were able to watch in real time the launch of a space shuttle. And I don't want to say that it's getting commonplace, but it's, it's, it's like I've seen this before. I've seen it again. It looks like the same thing. We're just super spoiled when it comes to space exploration. SpaceX, this is resilience. Roger, go. Go for launch, and at 37 seconds, the International Space Station flying over Kennedy Space Center. One, crew one for all. Crew Dragon poised to go catch it. Twenty seconds till liftoff. 
T-minus 15 seconds. And you're watching this on the screen. They got the big numbers, and they shows the crew. They got these HD cameras all over the place. And all it looks like is they're just sitting inside the capsule with their hands on their knees. And they're kind of like laying back because they're looking up. And it just kind of shows you what would look like to be an astronaut. You have to have nerves of steel to get up there and just know there's nothing else you can do. You ever been on an airplane about to lift off or land and there's someone there that is just having a huge anxiety attack and they're breathing into that little paper bag? You know, if they, they don't even really put the paper bags out that much. I think they'd rather you just lose your stomach on the ground than have to keep the paper bags up there. Maybe it's more or less forces you not to do that. But, you know, there's there's always someone that has a hard time or maybe before they get onto the plane, they're like, oh, I just took eight Xanaxes and I'm going to pass out and, you know, wake me up when we get there. <laughs> and they do those. Imagine being an astronaut and you have all of those gallons and gallons, or in this case, meters and well, what would it be? You have all of these liters and liters and liters of gasoline <laughs> right behind you because they do everything like kilometers an hour. They don't do miles an hour. And at any given time, you've seen where there's problems with some of these rockets where they explode. There's been test runs where these rockets have exploded, and there's been astronauts who have died in the past, and you're just sitting there thinking, well, either this is going to go really good and I'm going to be in space in a day, or we're about to instantly be incinerated. So, okay, one or the other. I guess there's nothing I can do at this point. And sometimes with these different launches, they actually scrap them at the last second. There was one SpaceX launch from just a month ago where they count down, or they're doing their countdown, and this is exactly how it sounded. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, Abort mission. 3. And then they stop right there and they go, we, we received an abort mission, hold on. And then there's a silence, and you can kind of see the cameras of the crew looking around, they're doing their thing, and there was one little thing. It's like, oh, we did the atmospheric reading of the ions, and it's a little bit higher than what we want it to be, so we're scrapping it. So they take extreme precaution, which they should, the worst thing you can do, not only for your brand, as in SpaceX, but just for the sake of science or humanity's sake, you don't want that to uh, go up there. And you don't want America to look bad for, you know, having something like this go up there. And that's the front page all across the world. They can't do space right. It would put the whole program back. So they got to take every precaution. So now they finally get into space. There's four of them on the capsule heading up to the International Space Station. And Right at the end, when they move forward with this, I want you to listen to the person that works for SpaceX. As they're doing this live video feed, I feel like she really tried to force a phrase. It's almost like you're watching sports play-by-play, -play, and the person's trying way too hard to try to get a catchphrase out there. Two, one, zero. Ignition. It's almost like she wanted to pen a plaque that will go on the moon at some time. Not even gravity contains humanity when we explore as one for all. Maybe I'm giving this uh, woman commentator a little bit of a hard time because you're up against some pretty big catchphrases. One small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Okay, where does this one rank? It contains humanity when we explore as one for all. Uh, top ten? Probably not. <laughs> you don't have to force it. It's something that's beautiful and wonderful in its own. You're watching this rocket go up and off. It's almost like you don't have to say anything. You know when Joe Buck makes a call in the World Series and there's a grand slam or a home run, you hear the 
you know, the, the knock of the ball off the bat, and there it goes, and the crowd's going crazy. And Joe Buck would say something like, this one's long gone. And he doesn't feel the need to continue to talk over the crowd cheering. He just lets the crowd cheer. Because if you were to talk over it every time, it would become not so special. So maybe the whole space thing has become not so special. I hope not. I think maybe the next thing, will it be in my lifetime that I'll be able to see a man walk on Mars or woman walk on Mars? I don't know. There's a possibility of it. Is it really worth our time? Maybe. I mean, the thing that makes it worthwhile is that you have private companies like SpaceX doing it. They're the ones that want to go out and be the first to do it. That's their incentive. They are rushing towards it. One of the things that the company is doing is they're launching something called the Starlink. Uh, We've talked about it before, but the Starlink is they're shooting a bunch of satellites up into lower atmosphere. And you may have seen this just by accident. If you've seen a long line of satellites moving pretty quickly and just like a straight line of satellites, maybe like 10 of them, 15 or 20 in a row, whatever it is, just kind of moving in a straight line. So they launched these satellites up into space. And the whole goal is for you not to see them. So they started to modify them so you don't. But what they want to do is they want to blanket the world with these satellites to offer high-speed Internet to everyone in the world. It's kind of a cool idea, right? So the idea is they would use the funds of what they make selling Internet access. And keep in mind, if you live in a rural area, 1120 a.m., you probably have at least one Internet provider, which is kind of a sham if you think about it, that there's only one major Internet provider you can hook up with in a lot of these areas. But let's say you live in a rural area and there's no Internet access to you. You have to do dial-up over your phone or there's maybe a satellite, but it's really not easy to do. Well, this is kind of the solution to it. You can get high-speed internet in all these rural areas. And once you blanket the world, you can get them in countries you never thought you'd be able to get internet access. And it'll just connect the world in a whole different way. Well, of course, he's going to profit from that, which is a good thing. And he said the money he's making from this internet venture of his, the Starlink, he's going to fund them going to Mars. That's how they're going to use this. He's reinvesting in this sort of thing. So you can have the United States. They've been wanting to go to Mars forever. Since the 70s, they've been wanting to go to Mars. But the funding to NASA got cut a long time ago. After the Apollo missions and the moon, uh, the whole mission to go to Mars was next. But during the Nixon administration, they said, ah, we just don't get too much money. Like, you know how much money they spend if you were to look at the spending of the Apollo mission in the 60s and take it to today's dollars? It's astronomical. But, uh, you know, it was worthwhile. It was worth it. Look what it did. Look what it did to the country. It was pretty amazing. And look what it did to say we have our flag on the moon. That's remarkable. And tell me you didn't shed a tear. That was something that was a giant step for humanity. So they said, okay, we're going to go to Mars. We have the technology. We can try to do this. Well, they decided, no, we don't have enough money to do this long term. It lay dormant for a long time until there were dreamers out there. Richard Branson, who does Virgin Mobile, now Virgin Galactic, You remember when he was here in St. Louis and he offered a million-dollar prize to the first person that can get to space without using uh, the government, you know, without using NASA? He announced that prize here in St. Louis because of the connections with uh, Charles Lindbergh and the exploration and to think what you can do out there. Eventually, someone was able to do that. They put a private rocket ship together. They shot themselves up and safely came back down, and it was a huge advancement. Now other companies are doing it. I mean, you have companies all across the world that want to send different rovers and different manned crafts to the moon. Mars is the next step. 
It's really remarkable, everything that we've done here. I hope it doesn't just turn into ordinary. I really don't. I, I hope in my lifetime I can witness one of those really remarkable moments that my parents did and my grandparents did. I really do. I, I think it's right around the corner. We have one more segment left coming up on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. And I wanted to do one other thing before we go here because it's almost the end of the show. And these shows go by so quick. Just a quick reminder that tomorrow night, which is technically tonight on Overnight America, what we're going to do is air a tribute to Bob Hamilton. I sat down and had an interview with him in February. This was before all of the different COVID stuff started to hit. It was my first time meeting him. And unfortunately, it was my last time to spend with Bob. He meant so much to so many different people here, passing away just last week at the age of 82. You can find the story at KMOX.com. And I never aired this interview. The whole idea of this interview was for me to take different parts of it and use it as part of my KMOX documentaries. So Robert Hyland was the first one, then Jim White, and Ann Keefe. He was in all three of them. I plan to use him for all the future projects that I have lined up because he was such a big voice in the KMOX newsroom. When you think of the big newsmen of KMOX. I mean, you, you think of Rex Davis and you think of Bob Hardy and then the names that pop up right after that, Bob Hamilton's in there. He's right in there in the conversation. And he learned from all of them. He was there for both of them. And you can tell. And he had that voice and he cared and people just absolutely, absolutely loved him here. And it's a huge loss that all of us here at KMOX are mourning. But since I only used the interview for the different documentaries... Uh, I never actually played it. So I thought, how about this? Well, in memory of him, in honor of Bob Hamilton, we're going to air that interview Monday night, 10 o'clock on KMOX. And I think you're going to enjoy hearing his stories. If you like the documentaries that I've aired in the past, you're going to like this one. Uh, one other story I didn't get a chance to get to. There, you know, there's been a lot of other things trending on social media. I really don't know where this one's going because we only have like two minutes left before the end of the show. Uh, Donald Trump with gray hair has been trending on Twitter. Yeah. So I don't exactly know. The, people have put out some conspiracy theories. So the gray hair Donald Trump is his way of saying that he's conceited, right? It's some sort of theatrical thing. I guess that's possible. Maybe he's always had gray hair and they just didn't have time to dye it or whatever. I don't know how often he's doing that. That could be number one. Number two, he put a tweet out earlier today that said, Joe Biden only won because of fill in the blank. So he had his reasons for that and still contesting it. And apparently Rudy Giuliani is now going to be the head of the contention. So he's going to take the lead on this. I, I think his chances are dwindling. I think his legal challenges continue to become insurmountable. Um, surmountable, I said it wrong. But if it goes to the Supreme Court, I think there's still a chance that he takes Pennsylvania insurmountable. I can't believe I can say that. So Pennsylvania, he has a chance at. The other states, maybe Emanuel recounted Georgia, but I don't see him taking the other ones. It's going to be a tough thing. So I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I don't know what kind of other announcements he's got. I, want, I don't know if he's going to keep the gray hair. All I know is I'm tired of finding out things on Twitter trends because they're always misleading over and over and over again. But if you haven't seen the gray hair Donald Trump 
I'm telling you, you got to go online and see it right now. He actually looks really good with gray hair. In fact, he should have gone gray a long time ago. I kept telling my wife, I wish I would have gone gray at a young age like Steve Martin. You look good when you get gray hair. I think it's distinguished. Well, that about does it for us here on Overnight America. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Recker. On Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio is the way to like the page. Send me messages on there. It's always good to connect with you. And I hope we can connect again Monday night when you join us here for the show. We'll have the Bob Hamilton special, and I think you're really going to love it. Have a great night. Sleep well. We'll see you soon. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.